Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Smashpot. Tell me what you know of James Bond. He'll light the fuse on any explosive situation. Tell me the diamonds. Don't blow it all at once. What happened to you? Bond. And be a danger to himself and others. I'm going to let him mix things up a little. My friends call me Jinx. My friends call me James Bond. Wow. Now there's a mouthful. Who sent you? Your mama. Glad you can make it, Mr. Bond. I see you don't chase dreams, you live them. One of the virtues of never sleeping. I have to live my dreams. Time to draw the line. Hello, and welcome to SmirchPod, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate, or just aren't asked about them, hosted by me, John Rain. We will be delving deeply into Bond, tackling a different film each episode with an exciting guest by my side. Episode 20 brings us the unfortunate end to the Brosnan era, die another day. My special guest this week is the comedy writer and co-author of the bloody wonderful Ladybird Book for Adults series, Joel Morris. Hello, Joel. Hello. And you can be found on Twitter as Grailfrit. Yes. What does that me. mean? It's from Forty Towers. It's uh, what uh, Basil Forty types onto the menu instead of grapefruit. And it, it dates back to when people never used their real names on the internet a million years ago. Yeah. And I've sort of stuck with it. That's wonderful. I've always wondered. I've always wanted to ask you. Yeah, so yeah. Good. Let's get Sigmund Freud to analyse this. Oh, goodness me. You're here, we should say, for the purposes of clarity. You're here to sort of defend Die Another Day, aren't you? Yeah. I'm, I, not to, I think it's almost impossible to defend it. I think what I thought was interesting about, about talking about this one, and obviously I, I have favourite Bond films and this isn't one of them, huh. is that it is absolutely hated. Yeah. By people, um, by everybody. No one, no one really likes Die Another Day. And I remember seeing it at the cinema and thinking it was just another Bond film. Hmm. And I think it's interesting how much it has slipped in the public's tastes to be considered a nadir of the series. When I think actually it's pretty typical of the series in its good and bad points. The good bits I think are terrific, and the bad bits are absolutely awful. I must say, having seen it through the prism of the Craig films, and obviously I've been watching every a Bond film every week. It doesn't actually seem that bad to me anymore. No. I had a mild epiphany watching it, thinking, this is just a Bond film. Yeah, I think what, what you don't like... People always say what they don't like about it, and they list stuff. And it's it's the same stuff as you said you liked in all the Bond films. I think the weird thing about it, especially after Craig, where everyone keeps moaning now and saying, it's got too serious, I can't watch them with my kids, where's the fun bank holiday Bonds? Yeah. And they keep saying, they're trying to bring some fun back to it. And, and what Die Another Day is, is a real Roger Moore, fun James Bond film done by... Pierce Brosnan at exactly the wrong time when everyone had gone off that kind of thing and they did it as a deliberate attempt to do a big cartoony 20th uh, it's the 20th Bond film it's supposed yeah. to be the Bondiest film they've ever done it's got full of references to the other films very camp very silly very fun and everyone had decided that they wanted something gritty and I think interestingly watching those Pierce Brosnans which are fairly derided now you watch them back and you go actually they've dated quite nicely I think yeah. they're not they're no as near as they are as bad as you remember and they're just as bad as Octopussy is, and lots of other films, and Moonraker, and lots of other films that people find plenty to love in. This one is, hang- is hampered, sorry, by the, I think the CG in this is very bad. Yeah, it's terrible CG. The, the interesting thing I noticed is that it's not just CG, though. The CG is fairly bad, because it's early-ish mm. CG for, for Bond, and it's not very good. And every time it comes in, you go, oh, and you wince a bit. Yeah. But the model work, 
and there's loads of model work in it. It's brilliant. When he yeah. goes over, there's a, there's a scene where he plunges into a waterfall. Yeah. And there's a long shot of water, and it's and it's big water. Yeah. It's special effects water. It's a tap. It's yeah. the same water that's in Jason of the Jason and the Argonauts, yes. and uh, and in uh, the Spy Who Loved Me. The whole screen is filled with model water, like Derek Meddings used to do in Thunderbirds and things. Yeah. And there's a couple of uh, distant shots of the Ice Palace, and they're clearly matte paintings. Hmm. And the old-fashioned effects in it is the last time you'll see those. It's Absolutely. Kind of quite nicely old-fashionedly bond about it. Well, this is what they do well, yeah. which is such a shame because any, ch- any time there's a chance for a stunt or an, uh, a set piece, they use CG. Yeah, and it, they've done really badly. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think that, that it represents brilliantly and it, it's obviously it's followed immediately by a complete reboot with Daniel Craig and Casino Royale, which goes as gritty as it can do. Yeah. And Bond constantly swings between people saying, they say it all the time, we've gone back to Fleming, we've gone back to this gritty Bond. This apparently is the ideal. They keep saying it. They said it with Dalton. They said it with uh, Majesty's Secret Service. They yeah. said it when they... They constantly say it. And whenever they do that, everyone goes, oh, great, that's what we wanted. Forgetting that Bond isn't Fleming. Bond is Thunderball, written by Kevin McClory and the other guy. And Bond is Roald Dahl's You Only Live Twice. Bond is preposterous. The Bond you're going back to isn't the Bond anyone likes or liked as a kid. The strange thing about Die Another Day is it's the last one where they are not being Fleming. They, mm. But oddly, when you read the history of how it's made, that battle, that trying to pull back to make a gritty spy film and then the franchise wanting to be a bit Austin Powers and a bit, a bit Batman 1966, it's pulling in both directions. Yeah. It's, it's an awkward match. But oddly, the fun bits of this are so much more fun than anything from Spectre or anything from Quantum of Solace or even Skyfall. Well, it does start off in a very brave direction because it essentially has Bond being captured and tortured. Yeah, I think the beginning of it, the first probably about 40 minutes is probably the film that Purvis and Wade who wrote it, wanted to write. And yeah. they said they wanted to do a Cold War thriller. And they found, cleverly, they found North Korea. They found an alien culture yeah. and a proper behind-the-iron-curtain-feeling sinister place for Bond to be out of his depth. And he's really in trouble. And they sort of start off on the demilitarised zone in North Korea with lots of sort of sinister... It, it, they managed to have that, do that thing of, of having sinister outsiders, which is quite hard to do in the 21st century, but North Korea will do yeah. without sort of being Charlie Chan or anything. It, it, mm. It's got all that D- stuff in its DNA. And it opens brilliantly, I think. The, the opening, the exchange, the betrayal, the double cross, the spy stuff. And then the, the, there's a hovercraft chase. Hmm. And when you say to someone, oh, it's the worst Bond film ever, it opens with a hovercraft chase. You go, well, it can't be the worst Bond film ever. Because a hovercraft chase is exactly what you should have in a Bond film. Yeah, and it's, no problem with the hovercraft and chase. And it's beautifully done. It's Vic Armstrong mm. uh, doing the second unit who did all the, the chases in Raiders. Yeah. And they do. They even do the full Indiana Jones, one of the hovercraft bumping into the other one. It looks like the, the truck chase from Raiders. It's gritty. Yeah. There's mines going off all around them and Bond's got a big gun and everything's exploding. It's a great fun bit where they blow up loads of luxury cars that belong to the, the son of the general. It's got all that fun sort of uh, bull in a china shop destruction that, that you want from a Bond. And it ends up with Bond swinging on a big bell that goes dong. And he says saved by the bell. And he says saved by the bell. And you go, what, what on earth is wrong with this? And before that, <laughs> you get uh, an echo of the old Yellow Pages advert <laughs> because Colonel Moon's blown up this helicopter... And then his dad's coming home, and he's like, "Oh, dad's what coming are they home." Do? French yeah. polishes, just possibly you can save my life. Well, that that setup at the beginning is quite crisp. It's got nice family stuff. It, it it's it opens really well, and you can believe that they were they were trying to make this cracking. I mean, the the film beforehand, which is World Is Not Enough, which I find yeah. slightly dry. Yeah, it's, um, and it's a bit serious. It's got a, a good good boat chase in it, but it's and that was Purvis and Wade's first one. Yeah, but they, they say they've got this sense for sort of global politics and the drama of it as a playground to play in. But then Lee Tamahori, who directed this, said he wanted to make it more cartoony. And every time you read an interview with the scriptwriters and people, they went, oh, oh, yeah, we, we regretted that it went that way. But I think, put yourself back in that at that time, every decision makes perfect sense. It's a camp 60s spy romp from probably a bit of a hangover from the 90s. It feels a bit sort of yeah. Chris Evansy, a bit Austin Powersy. They're having fun with spies. Well, this is the thing that I noticed from watching this again, because it's one of those ones where I watched it and then was like, oh, God, and then buried it. <laughs> didn't, re- didn't return yeah. and I watched it again yesterday and I, one thing that comes out of this more than anything else is that Pierce Brosnan is having fun yes he's got so much energy if you're and not he's in- fun to watch if you're not enjoying Daniel Craig sort of resenting being Bond which yeah. is the weirdest thing all his, all his films are about him not wanting to be Bond yeah. that's what's exciting about his Bond it's a new Bond who doesn't want to do this job Yeah. you rewind to 2002 and that Pierce Brosnan era hmm. There's a lovely behind-the-scenes shot. I think it's from might from Goldeneye or something. And he's being interviewed for the equivalent of Film Ross or whatever. Yeah. And he's sitting in a car being boring. And he winks and twinkles at the camera and says, I'm not being very Bond today. I'm going to be Bond tomorrow. And you can see he's like a little kid. Mm. This is the best job he's ever been given. Yeah. And he thinks he's going to do it forever, like Roger Moore. Mm. And 
I think you watch Die Another Day and you go, well, I can see why they took it away from you, but I'm kind of sad. Yeah. Because you were having so much fun. Mm. He's terrific in this. He's yeah. he's everything you want when you want a flippant super spy. And when everyone moans about about what's happened to, to Bond now, they're missing the fact that they had what they wanted. And weirdly, it's this one with the invisible car. But I'd really like to see this film done again, but without the egregious CG and the yeah. stupid cut zooms and slow motion everywhere there's a lot of post matrix stuff going on there's a feeling of it just straining at the edge of relevance and the colour's been turned right down so it's really not nice to look at this was around the time that that they were desaturating everything and they're pushing to sort of desaturate Bond but they realise they still want to keep it a bit zap pal Adam West so it's this awkward halfway house which I think is what the CG is in it's this queasy Mm -hmm. I think there's five minutes you could cut from this film and no one would remember it with any anger or rage and it is there's one CGI sequence. If you cut it out on the car chase that precedes it, which is when he's on the ice in the in the he's in a rocket dragster on the ice. Again, yeah, yeah. how can this be a bad Bond film? He escapes in a rocket dragster, yeah. scooting across the ice in, in in Iceland or whatever, and he goes over the edge and he ends up in this ludicrous CGI sequence mm. where he surfs a, a tidal wave unconvincingly in bits of his broken dragster. Yeah, and it's so ludicrous. And then he goes back up to the top of the ice and has a car chase. And as a screenwriter, all I can think of is, well, that was your car chase. You could cut the previous car chase out and cut to that one. Yeah. And that's a brilliant one where he's got a car laden with gadgets. Yeah. It's a pure Roger Moore. Using the ejector seat to, to write the flip car. the car of it. It's full of it's witty brilliant. jokes and things. And you go, what you need to do is at the end of that movie, remove the bit that didn't look very good. Yeah. And it's full of stuff where you go, all the stuff that doesn't look very good, you could remove without harming the film. And it seems to be almost like the big problem with this movie is editorially is at the last minute, because it's quite long. Yeah. You could probably lose five, six minutes from it, and it would be a cracker. Remove the Madonna bit. Yeah, you don't need Madonna in it. You don't need that bit. The sword fight that follows Madonna is almost the most fun you can have in a a movie. (laughs) Yeah, but wouldn't they have been arrested within ten seconds? Yeah, but it's Bond. You can say that about everything. He's fighting with fucking Excalibur. Uh, well, um, the best thing about that is the, is the foley on it, which sounds like someone's taken an entire kitchen <laughs> and just thrown it downstairs. It sounds like sawfish trombones. It's a clang, back, clang. It's just so it's so loud and 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 rowdy and vulgar hmm. and everything that you want from a, from a, a. If you're making a stupid spy movie and Bond films are stupid spy mm-hmm. movies, then this is a stupid spy movie. It's what you signed up for. Yeah, going back to the uh, CG yeah. dragster bit. If they had removed that, you'd all people talk about is the CG wave. Yes. Which is really bad. And the, and and the Madonna music. It yeah. looks like it's done in a hurry. Yeah, it, there's a feeling of it being... Is this about the same time as the, sort of the first Harry Potter movie? There's a lot of CG from that era that hasn't dated very well. Yes. I think they got it right about two years after this. Mm. And it sits very awkwardly in, a, in, in its time. I mean, all, all Bond films show you their times. And this one, I think they've, they've wrapped it. They've finished the edit. And then the, the crew, or some of the crew, maybe the Broccoli's and Brosnan, went to the cinema and saw the Bourne identity and came out going, what are we going to do? Yeah, we, we, are, yeah. we are dead. And there's a real feeling of going, well, that's that's the next wave. But this is before then. This is this is the last wave of, of that fun they were having with Goldeneye, with dri- driving a tank through Moscow. And it's the big, brash, vulgar, loaded generation, swaggery, retro 60s thing that was going on in the 90s that Britpop's part of. Yeah. This is the last gasp of that. Which is such a shame. Because like I say, if you cut out the CG or improved the CG and lost the dragster bit, it would be quite a fitting 20th anniversary Bond, wouldn't it? Because yeah, it's got loads of gags in it, the reference stuff. There's a brilliant bit, I mean, obviously the thing everyone moans about, when you say, I'm going to watch Die Another Day, they go, that's the invisible car. Yeah. And they go, well, that was that was a, a thing too far. And I think when they wrote it, the, the screenplay was supposed to be, it was supposed to be like a, a, a milky camouflage But it's car. called adaptive camouflage, Yeah, so it? when they push the button, it says adaptive camouflage. Which is something they were working on. And the Navy really had, and it's yeah. to do with, with sort of... Uh, cameras. Cameras and stuff. And it, it, it's a thing that actually sort of really existed. But when when they saw the, the edit, when it was put together, they went, oh, you've made it an invisible car like Q is Dumbledore, <laughs> sort of giving wizards equipment. But the invisible car comes at the end of a sequence where you wander through Q's lab, and it's yeah. full of old gadgets. And in that gadget lab is the jetpack from Thunderball <laughs> and the crocodile submarine. And it's full of things that are so stupid that it's almost like if you go, oh, an invisible car's too far. But there was a crocodile submarine in a minute ago. This is a franchise that had Sean Connery coming out of uh, in a wetsuit with a duck on his head quite early on. Mm. It's always been in the DNA of Bond for it to be pushing credulity. And oddly, everyone agreed the invisible car was too far. In the end, they don't really use it in the film at all. No. But saying that, I watched this with my six-year-old son yesterday, and he thought he loved the invisible car. Well, this is part of my my return to, to liking this movie, is I watched it one 
Christmas, it was on TV, hmm. and my son was about six or seven, and I said, well, watch a Bond. And we watched a bit of the Bond, and it was the Invisible Carpet. Yeah. And he went, this is cool. Yeah. And I went, you need... It's like Moonraker and Spy mm. Love Me. Those are films that are made for six-year-old boys. I was just going to say, the reason I loved Spy Love Me when I was a kid is because of The Lotus. But when yeah. you watch it, it's quite a long film, and I probably wouldn't have sat through the whole thing. But I loved that Lotus submarine. But the idea of, a, of an invisible car is, is just kid bait. It's the kind of yeah. thing you can play with your friends. And the playfulness of this, I think, is to its credit. It has... Oh, we can talk about the things that are wrong with it forever, but the things that are right for it. The Invisible Car, of course, is, is completely in the key of Bond, and, and what people don't realise is the Invisible Car is in all Bond films. It's in all of them. It's in the back... Q made that Invisible Car in 19... It's been... You just haven't seen it. It's, no. It's in all of them. No. It's, it's in the car chase in Goldfinger. There's an Invisible Car that you just can't see. Well, it was the, the camera crew in it, of course. <laughs> That's how it's done. Yeah. That's how you make these movies. Exactly. But my favourite bit, actually, at the beginning, because obviously uh, Bond has the hovercraft chase we were yeah. talking about, and he goes off the cliff... And, uh, rings his bell. Rings his bell. And it's a bad one-liner, yeah. just like you want. I still remember all the audience laughing in the cinema at that. There's a weird expectation. It's, it's like Carry On. Yeah. You're not actually laughing at the joke. You're laughing because you're glad they made a joke. Yeah. Oh, I think in terms of script, I don't think the script's that bad. But the dialogue... There's some terrible it's dialogue. Just the flirting scenes in this... We'll uh, get to it, we'll get but to it's it. Just, but my God. What's shocking is that all the one-liners don't work. Yeah. And Pierce is doing his best to deliver them. And you're going, it's reminding you of when you liked this stuff. Yeah. But it's not actually very good on its own. I would like to put on record, going back to what we were saying before, there's a lot wrong with this film, but Pierce Brosnan is not no, far, anything. He far is from bad. probably the best thing in it. He's carrying it. He really is. But there's a bit where Colonel Moon's dad comes up and says, my son is dead. And Pierce Brosnan looks at the waterfall and looks back at him in such a way like he's just installed Sky for him. <laughs> no, he's like, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Paid assassin. You came to my country and assassin, you killed my son. What did you expect me to do? Yeah. Take my ice cream. I just loved his face. He's just yeah. like, yeah, good, isn't it? It reminded me of, you know, in the life of Brian, where Brian spends all night painting the words on the side. Yeah. And then the Roman soldier turns up in the morning and looks at him, then looks at the writing, and Brian gives him that look like, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. It reminded me of that. <laughs> I've just it's, killed him. Well, Bond's relationship with with father figures is usually that he's killed someone on their behalf, whether yes. it's M or mother figures, parental yeah. figures. Or married them. Yeah, it's just that, that feeling that he... What, was I naughty? Was I not meant to do that? That's yeah. what I came for. Yeah. But that's, that's part of the fun, isn't it, of the, of the classic action hero, is they underreact to major things that you would react to. Yeah. Because you'd go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, oh shit, sorry about that. Yeah, so he underreacts. It's like Arnie's striding out of an explosion. It's better that? if he kind of went, orcs. Yeah, <laughs> oh God, or oh, was it your son? <laughs> But then you get this wonderful torture sequence uh, yeah. with the Dan Kleinman titles, which are amazing. Yeah, beautiful. And that song, fucking hell. Honestly, it's so bad. It's so bad. I thought it's, maybe it would have, you know, a distance of time. It's the arrogance of it's, it. It's so arrogant. It's, it's saying what this film needs is a bit of me magic. Yeah. Hi, I'm Madge. Do you know what everyone's into? French disco. They love the Daft Punk. But it sounds like she's making it up as she goes along with the lyrics. Yeah. She's it's like, I guess really- I'll die another... And then she just goes... Sigmund Freud, analyse this. It's just, what does oh, that mean? No, no, it's just it's a short rap, but it's a bad rap. It's a terrible song. It's the only song that David Arnold doesn't reference in any of his any any of his. Uh, well, scores. how could he? Yeah, because it has no tune. Yeah, you can't refer it's got to nothing. It. it starts off with that nice little string section of flamenco stomp, yeah. flamenco stomping. And when I first, I remember first hearing it, thinking, "Oh, this is interesting." And then it just cuts in with the shit. It's genuinely bad. It's really bad music. I think that maybe it's more offensive because she wasn't going through a bad phase at the time. It's not like she was sort of running on empty. She was producing some pretty good music. Around I seem to remember having... This was around when she was doing all that Ali G... Yeah, she's in Ray of Light and music and things. She, she yeah. was in a pretty good phase. But the idea that she goes, oh, you can have one of my B-sides because I am bigger than the Bond franchise. And you want to kind of go, whoa, hang on, you are... You're not as big as the Bond. I'm not as big as Bond. No. No. But this is a song that um, if you bought like the a CD with all the Bond songs on it, you'd skip it every single time. It's weirdly, I, I think it's one of those ones that, that sold really well. Whenever you get those annoying charts of the most played, yeah. it's one of the most played ones. Cause I imagine it... Oh, would it work outside Bond? I don't know. It's a terrible song. It's just awful. And, and as you say, there's no reference to it in the film because you just couldn't. And even if they did, it, it would just make the film worse. You want a belting... I mean, especially it's the 20th Bond. You mm. wanted a Bonder than Bond theme song for this one. But that also links into the fact that Halle Berry's in this and she's... Dreadful. There's a big deal about her being in it because she's a proper star. It's yeah, like Diana she just Rigg. won an Oscar. And yeah, she's like, it's like getting Diana Rigg in. Yeah. There was a big excitement. They were going to run a spin-off series called yeah, Jinx. I wrote that earlier. Can you imagine that now? She's really bad in it. She's appalling. And they don't do anything with her. And she has no chemistry with, with Pierce at all. No, she doesn't. She's and a there's bad a quite, Bond girl. I was watching this with my six-year-old son and I had to actually sort of wind forward because the sex scenes for a Bond film is quite explicit. As if everyone on set thought, hey, this is hot. 
these yeah. people are hot everyone's going to watch this sizzling and it's not it's, no. and the flirtation is, is really clunky they might as well be quacking I mean it's literally <laughs> not even human noises the dialogue is so bad and it's full of oddly it's sort of post Austin Powers it's full of the kind of single entendres yeah. that you think Austin Powers would have made impossible to do and they do them because they go we'll do a Bond seduction scene and I think they found it's quite hard to write a Bond seduction scene that isn't just really creepy <laughs> yeah because he goes on about bird watching doesn't he and then yeah. like, they feast which yeah. is a horrible um, thing he's going to eat her and you're not sure whether he's referring to him and her or the guys on the next table who are dicks and none of it's clear there's lots of, sort of looks to one side or another to indicate where you're supposed to be where these puns are meant to be landing and they're all sort of it's like friendly fire hitting all the supporting artists and things you can't work out what he's even saying no. and, and it goes on for a long time as if everyone again it's an editing decision you looked at mm. it and you went you could have cut to them shagging yeah. and I would have read they had a big flirty thing she came she looked good he looked good they went to bed but they do a long scene just go, everyone's going to enjoy these people talking badly to each other some stiff dialogue that's what we need now yeah he, when he arrives in Cuba he's basically dressed like our man from CNA because he's got this like vest with his shirt undone <laughs> And Chino's, the costuming in this film's not great. It's, it's, it's the usual costume people, isn't it? It's very yeah. odd. It feels like it's it's not sure. It lacks confidence in in its Bondness, which is odd for something that's the 20th anniversary of Bond, full of references to stuff. And you go, it's oddly worried it's irrelevant, I think, which yeah. is why it's got these Matrix whip pans and slow down bits. They're going, what should we be doing next? And the answer was, was it turned out to be not this. Yes. But oddly, you can see at the beginning with the torture scene mm-hmm. that they're going, if we did a gritty Bond, what if we booted him down? It's Brosnan's idea to come out looking like Russell Brand. Yeah. Uh, or sort of straggly, like a sort of trampy. He looks like Ian Beale when he's a tramp. Comes into into the hotel. And there's a, I really enjoyed, remember at the cinema, yeah. him going in and doing what would have normally been the casino scene, the yeah. entitled yeah. swaggering in. And he wanders into the, the Hong Kong yacht club and he looks like crap. And you go, this is great. You so turn my usual suite. down. And my usual suite. And they go, Mr. Bond, of course. Yeah. And that lovely sense of like, you're a bigger star than the tuxedo. You're yeah. a bigger hero than that. The tramp it's, suite. Yeah. <laughs> my usual suite by the bin. <laughs> <laughs> You've thrown away some Chateau Lafitte. It's that they're enjoying it and they're doing something. And then from that point on, they slowly lose confidence. But they've done the torture, hmm. which they're going to do again in... You forget that the Goldfinger when he's got the laser. That's a torture scene. There's yeah. A, a lot of the, the things you think of as camping Bond actually start out as serious, real jeopardy things. And they, they managed to... That torture scene is frightening. You think Bond is in trouble. Yeah. And it runs under the titles. But they do ruin it in the script. Because when he's being analysed, when he gets back to the lab, they're like, oh, scorpion bites, mm, anti-venom. Mm, they must have bitten him and then given him the anti-venom. So they, Don't need that. You've, you've lasered him and then you've put an unlaser on him, <laughs> making him better. That must have driven him mental. And he says, oh, his liver's not too good. It must be him then. That's a good line. I, like oh, that I didn't one. like that. Definitely him. Oh, that's, a, that's, that's, that's Bondy. I suppose so. That's Bondy. That's probably a directorial decision. It's probably a better way to deliver that exposition. Yeah. Rather than a voiceover. Yes. I'd like to have two men in lab coats talking. Looking at him. He does. He, defri- he defibrillates someone. He uses it as a weapon, the yeah. defibrillator, when they try and... He slows his own heart down. Yeah. And what I think was interesting about it is there are lots of things in here that they will do again mm. in Casino Royale. Because it's the same script team plus Paul Haggis for... for for that there's lots of ideas they do like Bond using a defibrillator him being such a man he can actually start his own heart again which is a good middle aged man's fear they're they're playing on could you stop and start your own heart if you've been drinking and eating like this you reach a certain age and they do a lot of those little echoes that are in Daniel Craig but in Daniel Craig they play completely straight and in Die Another Day they play very camp and it's very interesting to say it's the same material you're playing with I would love to see, and that's what I kept thinking in this, I'd love to see, because obviously I'll get into it later with Spectre and things like that, but I'd love to see Daniel Craig doing a film like this. A really camp one? Yeah. He's funny, isn't he? Yeah. He's got a sense of humour. He hasn't been given me the opportunity to do it. Yeah, I think the, the, the funny thing is this is, oddly, it's not, is it funny? It's fun as a film. It's, it's constantly trying to entertain you and do be more ludicrous and preposterous. And they've lost that sense of, it's that balance between how how enjoyable, say, a lot of the Marvel superhero films are, where they're, preposterous hmm. and the DC ones are pompous Yeah, and you get the feeling sometimes with the, the Craig reboot they they verge towards the pompous rather than the preposterous they're and more Bond, DC than Marvel and Bond should absolutely. be preposterous it should be yeah. silly and fun and it doesn't matter and it's not really happening and the odd thing about the CGI in here is even though it's really bad it's denting a world you didn't believe in in the first place. So it's odd to see how fragile that, that world of Bond is, that you need to be sort of convinced of it. Back projection's okay, model's okay. Yeah. But there's a limit to how much you'll go, this isn't really happening. Well, it's the stunts. I miss the stunts. Yeah. There's no stunts in this. There are some. There's the there's hovercraft. The, there's the hovercraft, yeah, okay. And there's the surfing at the beginning, which they 
Didn't they film like a year before they started doing this? Yeah, that's quite nice. Yes, it does lack... Yeah, the CGI means it lacks stunts because there's some cracking ones. Brosnan has some terrific stunts. This this lacks... As a Brosnan, I defend the Brosnans because there's some good bits. Yeah, this lacks the remote control car chase. It lacks the jumping out of Jonathan Price's uh, building on the end... on yeah. on on, uh, on banners and, and uh, helicopters and motorbikes. It lacks a few of those. The, the only whole- spectacle it has, really, is when the helicopter goes out the back of the plane at the end, but it's yeah. completely CGI. It's a CGI. So and you don't have any kind of... Yeah. Mm. It, that's a little sort of nod to um, they've made a nod to the living daylights by having cars fall out the back of a plane you, go, yeah. you bothered bless yeah. you yeah there's, there's so many sort of hidden things in here but we should talk about John Cleese actually because yeah. he's another thing I feel doesn't work at all no and you think he would because he got yeah. promoted because Desmond and Llewellyn had just died Yeah. so he got promoted from R to Q because he's in The World Is Not Enough as yeah, Desmond as assistant. assistant sort of waiting in the wings for the dead man's shoes I like to lovingly refer to John Cleese in this as Quant <laughs> Because he's appalling. Yes, he's he's not. He's, he he does it really bad. I, mean, it's, I think we, we me and Al touched upon it in um, the, the uh, Moonraker podcast. But Q should be like a lovable uncle. Yes, not a guy who constantly tries to fire out jokes. He's a headmaster who thinks he's funny. Yeah, he's, he's basically being that. He's June, John Cleese's headmastery voice, hmm. uh, the one who does the sex education letter in, yes. in, in Meaning of Life. He's doing that guy. Yeah, the jokes are supposed to be bonds. He's supposed to be serious, but weirdly, you end up with Pierce doing a couple of creaky one-liners and then Q doing a couple of creaky one-liners and they don't match up. But I do like the invisible car. I do. When he shows you the invisible car, you go, that's exactly the kind of stupid stuff that Bond should have. That really made me laugh, right? It's when he says, here's your new transportation and that flatbed comes out. Yeah. And Pierce Brosnan turns to him and says, maybe you've been down here too long. Yeah. That really made me laugh. It's, It's introduced really well and it's preposterous. Everyone forgets that... I always think about the preposterousness of Bond, and people forget you. You take it for granted. And there's a great review of Goldfinger, yeah, where they talk about one of the most preposterous bits. It's in the Times, it's in the paper, and they refer to when Goldfinger, when they slide all the gold in on the trolley through a big round door. Yeah, a little bit of the round door dips down to make the floor flat for the trolley to go through. And someone went, "This preposterous film has a round door with a little thing that drops down." And you go. Oh, I wouldn't question that now because that's Bond language, that everything moves and slides, everything's a transformer. Yeah. And you forget that everything about Bond was always preposterous. The sat-nav in the Aston Martin was preposterous when it came out. Yeah. And I quite liked them pushing it as far as an invisible car. It could have been done better, but a car with a cloaking device feels very, very Bond. I think it's a great... I mean, because you have this Aston Martin. They've got it. Is this the first film they get it back? Yeah, they're allowed the Aston Martin and the Jaguar back. Because the world is not enough. They still had the shitty-looking BMW. So they get the Aston Martin <laughs> rental back. rental cars. Yeah. The world's not enough. They get the Aston Martin back, and they think, right, <clears throat> we're going to have to make it a gadgety car because it's the 20th anniversary. What can we do? Let's make it have a cloaking device. I think that's a great idea. It's also... what The weird thing about it is it's a spy device. Hmm. And then because Bond has stopped being a spy many years ago and is now just a bull in a china shop... <laughs> He doesn't use it to do any spying. No. He, at no point does he go, I should hide. No. Well, he does, but he hides in the path of somebody who's riding a bike. It's just terrible. Yeah, so it's never used for the thing that, you, that a spy would use it for. But he's a spy who's, whose secret identity is to keep telling people his name, yeah. which is the basic thing he must... But he's also a spy who's got a it's Union like Jack parachute. Got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which country is this guy from? The important thing is to pretend you're from a different country. Oh, I've got a flag <laughs> fluttering above my head. He's got a camera with 007 written on it. Uh, was that pretty bit in Times of Forever where he's got... James Bond's passport and he swaps passports with someone and someone goes you killed James Bond and he went so not only does your passport have your name on it but you're famous as the worst spy ever and every restaurant he walks into ah Mr Bond terrible spy Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I need you to explain something to me because yeah. I'm really confused about this. And you're an intelligent guy. Go on, shoot. Right. Gustav Graves. Yeah. Please tell me. Because I'll tell you what my problem is. As far as I'm concerned in the plot, Colonel Moon, dead, it's Colonel Moon's son. Colonel's coming son, yeah. He Little goes to Moon. the lab in Cuba, yeah. gets his new identity, yeah. calls himself Gustav Graves, yeah. c- converts these diamonds, conflict diamonds, into yeah. legitimate diamonds. That's all quite nice spy nonsense. Knighted by the Queen. Yeah. F- world famous. When he appears again, there's this shift in the film. It's a, why is it about 45 minutes an hour in or something? Yeah. It goes, kunk, and a new baddie arrives. Yeah. And your brain goes, oh, I'm not following this film now. Yeah. Even as a kid or a grown-up, you'll go, I'm not following this film now. And the reveal is, it was the same baddie all along. And yeah. you go, well, I kind of hope it would be, because otherwise, structurally, you put a new baddie in, in the middle. Yeah. So you know, in terms of structure, that must be the same guy, so it's no reveal. Yeah. Because otherwise, Gustav Graves would have been in the film from the beginning, which would be impossible. Exactly. So... What they've done, they've come up with a really nice way of doing a new kind of Bond baddie. It, it works in that respect. But oddly, it you can't follow it. It doesn't make any sense. No, it's literally nonsense. How would he be world famous on the front of a magazine yep. and get a knighthood yep. if he's only been around for about a month? It's just appalling, isn't it? The, I think they're trying to do some kind... It probably would be more believable if he'd been a Zuckerberg-type new yep. media like comes out of nowhere. Or yeah. if he won a medal at the Olympics. But they, they, they had this odd thing where he's supposed to be sort of a bit Richard Branson-y. Yeah. And, and you go, well, then he's a national treasure. And I was watching it with, like, really concentrating, thinking, oh, maybe he's stolen somebody's identity. I thought that. But that's not what happened. No, it's they've screwed that up completely. It's one of those things which is... It's a small plot niggle where they've, they've got two halves of a film and the join just doesn't work. And it, it's one of the things that fails at. When I think they were trying to make him, and again, this is what's so insulting, they were trying to make him like Drax. Yeah. Who is, despite Moonraker's good or bad thing, one of the best things in the Bond franchise ever. Absolutely. You want that incredibly urbane uh, Hannibal Lecter, the incredibly educated psychopath. And this lovely idea, people don't like Toby Stevens in this. But it's a terrible character. Yeah. It doesn't really work. But it should be, I imagine, when you thought it up and went, oh, what if Bond went up against another entitled sort of Etonian wanker? Yeah. That feels like a good thing. And they have literally a fencing duel. You'd go, that's a br- that's pure Bond. Yeah. That's pure Fleming. That's, that's, that's him, the establishment, the ruling classes of different countries fighting each other, posh person versus posh person. Hmm. And it just doesn't work. And I don't mind Toby Stevens. This I think he's all right. Yeah. It's just there's occasionally the camera lingers on him too long when he's doing his horrible smirk. Oh, weirdly, did you notice? Because his dad was Robert Stevens. Yeah, his mum's Maggie Smith. Was Abner Brown in The Box of Delights, and it's the Ooh, same sneer as the right. baddie from The Box of Delights. Shit, I hadn't which is that. quite. My wife pointed that, and she went, "Oh, cause she loves The Box of Delights." She went, "Oh, this is brilliant. That's yeah. his dad's sneer." Of course, and yeah. it's a proper pantomime sneer. Again, this is a very pantomime. That's why the sexy things feel so awkward. It does feel like a good kids bond. It, it should does. be on tea time. Yeah. It's a bank holiday bond. It's a real. It's CBBS does bond. It's uh, <laughs> Mr. Bloom coming in. <laughs> oh, Mr. Bloom. <laughs> expect you to die. Help <laughs> me, veggies. Well, something that always bothered me as well, again, this is through the passage of time, but when London Calling comes on, yeah. it used to piss me off. But now, having watched, for instance, I watched The Spy Who Loved Me recently, Lawrence of Arabia theme comes on in it, and then I watched Moonraker, and it's got some excerpts Close, from a cowboy film. And Close Encounters. And Close Encounters. And, and so it seems fine that London Calling's in it. It was odd there being a pop song in it, because it was basically the change in, in sort of the the, uh, the styles of scoring. Post-Tarantino, you made your score out of bits of pop, pop yeah. music, yeah. rather than having a full score. It feels really weird for a scored Bond film yeah. to have someone else's song in it. And again, you get the feeling a little bit, because they always try not to have big-name directors, because there was talk of... A couple of big name people like Tarantino doing one, and mm. Broccoli's never want to give up Spielberg control. Spielberg always wanted to do, yeah, one, didn't which is why he did Raiders because mm. they wouldn't let him have one. Yeah, but they they always they don't want big name directors because they put their stamp on it. And weirdly, with Lee Tamahori, he's not a big name director, but he's trying to put his stamp on this, and he makes some decisions that are very very modern and very nineties, yeah. oddly. Yeah. And it's like having pop music in it, and and the pans and the edits and the desaturation, lots of stuff like that. Yeah, that you you want to go, oh no no, get boring boring Englishmen who used to be in the RAF. They direct bomb films. Mm. really slow punches that I can follow it's, it's, whenever they get someone who's a bit stylish it completely destroys it you need 
journeyman. Yeah. Everyone needs to be a journeyman. The scriptwriters, everyone needs to be giving sort of their very best in it for it to be not quite enough. But Flash, oddly, doesn't work in Bond. It needs to be more sort of two-fisted. Absolutely. No, I agree. Like a training video. Yeah. The stewardess on the plane, when Bond is reading about Gustav Graves, Roger Moore's daughter. Is it? Yeah. Of Bullseye. Of the smirch of this parish and oh, they probably got her in just to get bullseye fans to to point at the screen and jump around it'd been good if she came in gave him his uh, magazine and then threw a dart right yeah. into the bullseye that would be a nice little reference that would have been Moore could have been in said i thought she was my daughter <laughs> that'd be the perfect thing they'd yeah. have done it they've done they've, they've celebrated their references to diamonds are forever and yeah Doctor he says diamonds also... are for everyone which yeah. is quite a nice line i thought that nearly works i'm yeah. like up and I, I, I liked that but the, the madonna song is bad enough but her bit in it is Oh, God. She's got dead eyes. It's, it's filmed clearly in about two hours between yeah. things. She's mm. she's in a hurry to leave. It's only made up for by the fact she's off screen really quickly, yeah. and then there's that sword fight, which is basically this. This is full of things that you can't believe they haven't done in Bond before, and a swashbuckling bit. Yeah, proper pirate swashbuckling, mm. and where he literally Toby Stevens takes in the meaning of lift term the, the battle axes off the wall to yeah. have a proper fight, and you go, this is going to be fun, and they're smashing up. It's real sort of Richard Lester. Three Musketeers fun yeah, and that's it's, again it's Bank Holiday it, it's Errol Flynn stuff it it shows you what these films were meant to be they are set piece after set piece and as preposterous as possible and smashing up the reform club or whatever they do is exactly in the key of Bond he's a bull in the china shop he's supposed to smash everything up and then you get a very bizarre cameo from that ex-horse rider guy you tend to associate Bond now I think because of the Olympics opening ceremony with the 2012 Olympics yeah and they do the Toby Stevens parachutes into Buckingham Palace, which reminded me of Danny Boyle's Daniel Craig and yeah. the Queen parachuting in, that, that association of the palace with parachuting. And oddly, it's really odd to remember that we had other Olympics. It's whenever Bond touches on ephemeral pop culture, it always jars. It's the yeah. Be- Beatles with earmuffs line. You go, oh, the Beatles shouldn't be in Bond. No. Oh, no, don't remind me of the other. Bond should be saturated with its times, but not be desperate to nod to its times which is why Madonna feels wrong being in it and Madonna feels wrong doing the theme music because yeah. you go well, it's bigger than that though she's only in it in the same way as I suppose Grace Jones is, is yeah, suddenly she's, she's good I though. mean Grace Jones is amazing yeah. in quite a bad film well yeah. um, but I, I have to go back to when he does parachute down to Buckingham Palace that is where the worst dialogue arrives in this film it is shocking the that's press. the worst press pack I, I've, I've been an extra in a press pack oh, and, right. and it's always hard to sound like you're delivering exposition from behind a notebook but they, none of them can do it, and the exposition is just awful. Because they're doing that handbrake turn and introducing a new baddie yeah. out of the blue, mm. they have to tell you, it's, it's like I said, the audience, they just say, sit down, here's a big info dump, watch a documentary, we've got some information for you, and we're going to deliver it one at a time. But it'd be better if they did it, like, for now they'd probably do it as a news report. It would make more sense. Yeah, or I suppose it feels old-fashioned that there are a load of reporters asking questions behind notebooks. Who it feels would give like- a fuck? It's such a bad way of delivering. There's too much information to deliver, and those people can't do it. Yeah. Because they are essays. Yeah. They're not brilliant actors, and the dialogue they're given is pure exposition. Because the rumour is you can't sleep. Not a rumour. Yeah, and he says, <laughs> you've been training, I hear you've been training furiously. That's the thing people say. As we say in fencing, what's the point? There are too many point puns as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah obviously, he got the point is allowed. We allowed that once in Bond. Yeah. yeah. But because they're swords and sharp things, there's a lot of XXX placeholder dialogue that you go, someone's gone, we can replace that. We'll do a the point gag at some point here, and it's not got as far as a draft that's replaced that, or it's, it's gone off and everyone's like, this is fine. Hmm. I think there are like four the point puns in it. I think every time a new character is introduced in this film, it's very badly done. Yeah, it's like clunky. with the I am Mr. Kill. God almighty. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not good, is it? There's a name to die for. What? That doesn't work. No. Yeah, it's it's echoes. It's like a cargo cult has attempted to assemble Bond out of their memories of Bond in the wreckage after the apocalypse. <laughs> okay. So they've not they've not got the right equipment to do it. They've only got a they've got a Commodore sixty four that can do video effects, and they've got some models and and a typewriter which they can smash their heads against. But it's made of that's maybe that's what's nice about it is that it is. Someone said that when I went to see Spectre. They came out, and, and I was disappointed by Spectre, but they came out and said, it was great, it was like all the other Bonds. Like, it had all the bits of it. And I went, have you never seen this franchise before? It's always made of... Yeah. The, it's turkey curry. It's always leftovers from, from a feast you had the night before. Very and good. this is really that. It's always... But in terms of 
it has got all those bits in it, but they're really worn. All the flavour's gone out of them, all those one-liners, the flavour's gone out of them. But the essential elements and the feeling it gives you is not that different from no. a lot of the slightly poorer... It's. I think it's a more enjoyable film than Man with a Golden Gun, which I think is a very overrated film. It's very watery. Yeah. Low-budget bond at the end of its tether. And certainly more fun than Quantum of Sausage. It's, it's yeah, it's a bit... They've sucked the flavour out of it. The chewing gum's gone a bit papery. I think... Yeah, I think you're right. I think the elements are there. It's just the things they put in there are just wrong. Like the, the some of the directorial choices and writing choices are just bad. But if it was... Maybe maybe it was done in a rush, I don't know. I think it's just fragile. I think people forget this. Whenever they talk about franchise and they go, why are there no new ideas? Uh. Why, do, why is Ridley Scott going back and making another Alien film? Why are they doing it? And you think, yeah, you should be warned because it's very rare that the second take on something is as good as the first time. Mm. But Bond has been reassembled again and again and again from the basic formula that came in the first three films. And most of them are pretty entertaining. Yeah. Compared to sort of how hard it seems to be to make Raiders twice or to make Alien twice. And you think, or Star Wars twice even. Mm is you go, well, the elements are all there. Surely anyone can do it. And this is a really good film about saying it's quite delicate. If you get it very slightly wrong, and I think it's just slightly off-key, it's just slightly flat to the note all mm. the way through. The, the dialogue's not sparky enough and the CGI is not up to scratch and that mid-story hinge where they bring in a new baddie is really clunkily done. And at the end of it, you'd go, to, that was terrible. But you'll have sat through loads of Bond films equally as bad that are 5% better and said, I had the best time. Mm. Remember it for the rest of your life as the most exciting franchise you ever saw. Yeah. And it's not that different. What about Gustav Graves himself? Do you think he's a good baddie? Well, the potential's there. He could be brilliant. I like the idea of him signing his own diamonds is the most preposterous thing ever. How do you, It's one of those brilliant clues. How do you know whose diamonds these are? He signs them with a laser. Yeah, you would. baddies wouldn't do that. That's, no. that's an arrogance beyond, <laughs> beyond anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really unconvincing clue. It literally is like sort of saying, oh, it smells of him. This diamond smells. I can identify him. I have a special gadget that traces diamonds back by the taste of people. So it's a preposterous... I don't like that he dresses up as a robot at the end. Yeah. No Bond baddie should ever dress up as a robot. It's too super. With a cape. Oh, it's just... Yeah, it becomes Marvel. It becomes like a bad superhero film at the end. But I think the middle bit... Again, I, I like him in the sword fight. I think that moment where he's fighting Bond and they're just smashing hell out of everything with, with cavalry sabres hmm. you go this is Bond isn't it this is pretty good and he's being posh and witty with him and things and then they don't do enough with him oddly I think the problem is there are two villains both of which are quite interesting hmm. there's the Korean guy with his dad and you go he's great yeah. I'd follow him to the end and there's this sort of aristocratic guy who is Bond's dark shadow and you go I'd follow him hmm. he's basically what they tried to do with Blofeld in the new Inspector I suppose is make him sort of a, a an equivalent rather than a baddie yeah. and you go that's good I like that yeah. but I don't think one can be the other they've sort of said can we have both which is a terrible no, scripting choice. No, absolutely. And he kind of plays Graves with like with the swagger of a man with a 27-inch penis. But we know it's not a real penis. Yeah, it's been... That's bought. why it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of like going, look at this. But we're knowing he's just holding a big dildo. Yeah. It's a, a lot of that. But, uh, maybe that's because, because you lack that sexiness that's in... It's not in Roger, but it's in Sean. There's a sexiness that's yeah. in Dalton, actually, and in Craig. Yeah. Pierce isn't a sexy Bond. So all the sexy stuff doesn't quite work. I'd argue he is in Goldeneye. Yes. He's quite a sort of sultry in Goldeneye. Yeah. And I think it, after that, it, he loses it. But he's not got anything animal. Maybe it's because he's having too good a time. Yeah. He's, he's happy. Mm. Happiness isn't sexy, maybe. No, maybe <laughs> but not. But he's, he's sexy, so it's very hard for him to come up against another guy who's all swaggery. And you go, oh, you're both just dildos, aren't you? You're not yeah. very clever. No. Yeah, so no. by the time Graves comes in, you go, I'm not really... If he'd been from the beginning, maybe he could have been a sort of a corporate bastard and then we could have enjoyed the feeling of pushing Richard Branson out of a out of a plane that yeah, would have been fun that would have been good satisfying wouldn't it because yeah. the irony of him going to one of his own jet engines would have been now now you've got it yeah, yeah. That, that's where he should have he should have taken over a Branson type he should have like like a Willard White reference yeah. to Diamonds Are Forever just knocked him out of the way and taken over his life and then Bond could have had a fight in a train and pushed him down those virgin toilets where they got the warning about not pushing your jumper your ex's jumper down there and it have been yeah. revenge for all commuters who've been on a pendolino you should have written it yeah that worked but I was thinking about the ice palace yes how it's basically like the you know the fire festival that was on recently <laughs> all the people must have paid to go to that and it was rubbish it's another one of those bits where, where you fill a, a room with people hmm. I, was, I, was at a, I was at a do 
We got an invite and I went along to it. And I thought, I don't know how to behave with one of these dudes because I've only seen them in the establishing shots of Bond scenes. Yeah. And all I know is that either Batman or Bond's going to come and smash this up at some point. And it's, he goes to one of those dudes and it is a do from a Bond or a Commissioner Gordon's party. It's one of those things. And then the people who are there disappear the moment that Bond appears. Hmm. And there's just baddies and Bond and, and other secret agents. And you yeah. go, what happens to the other guests when yeah. it melted? They, they, they're, compl- they're collateral damage. But they appear to have only been there for the, like five minutes to applaud the announcement of the, of the Sky Ray. And Icarus. then disappear. Yeah. Which is quite... I, quite I like, like that, that idea. Yeah. It was, it's a good bond. Again, my battle. son thought that was a good idea. Yeah, that you could have a machine that would both light up the ground for crops, but also be a big laser. Yeah. Apparently that's based on a real thing the Russians tried to do to bring up crops in Siberia. So it's another bond gadget that is based on a real thing. There you go. I like that. I yeah, approve. I'd imagine all the people that went to the Ice Palace were on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, go Ice Palace. I spent three grand. It's rubbish. It melted. There was a man drove his car through the wall. Yeah, UB40 didn't turn up. <laughs> oh, promise. Yeah, all we got was Madonna. <laughs> she was only in there for a couple of scenes. She was all... But uh, Graves' assistant, you reminded me of kind of a James May that you wouldn't let babysit. <laughs> He was a very strange man. Oh, him, he's basically sort of, he seems to be sort of Putter Smith from Diamonds of Forever. Yeah. They've deliberately chosen someone with a slightly weird face. Yeah. I, I quite like him. He's Bond. Again, he's Bondy. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, Rosamund Pike's quite good fun in it as well. She is, but again, she doesn't have a great deal to do. When she turns bad, she's good. Yeah, she's like, fun. When she becomes a baddie. She does fencing in a preposterous outfit. Yeah. In a way that you go, only Bond is still allowed to do that, that you put on a special sexy outfit for fighting. And then she says, and then uh, my favourite bit was when M says, her, what do you know about James Bond? She's like, oh, well, he'll light the fuse or any dangerous situation. Like, no, you're reading that off the back of a DVD, aren't you? Again, yeah. it's, it's, it's expositional dialogue, and you think, he's just, ah, oh, one more pass. One more pass, and you could have hidden that in a, in a witty line. It does feel like the first Bond done really for an international market. Yeah. As in properly. I remember there's a feeling with the Pierce's that they've, they've suddenly opened up China, and that's why Michelle Yeoh's in it. And there's a feeling that you're going, well, the dialogue doesn't matter because it's only ever going to be subtitled or dubbed. And as long as the action sequences flow. And in, ter- in terms of script writing, when people say it's got a bad script, they often mean it's got bad dialogue. Mm. Scripting, apart from that middle hinge with two baddies, it follows, it makes sense. You yeah. can sort of roughly follow what's going on. That's an achievement in a big franchise blockbuster. Yeah. So I think that all that all kind of flows. But uh, yes, at the end of it, they should have got someone who could speak English to uh, to write some lines for everybody. Yeah, that would have helped. <laughs> I think. And also, Graves and uh, Zhao... The diamond face, which again, my son thought was really cool. What they call really expensive acne. Yeah. That's a quite a good line. That is a good line. Your friend with the expensive acne, you go, that's a proper Sean. Mm. That's a Diamonds Are Forever line. That's a, good, that's a good little bit of witty line. But they have a thing called the Dream Machine, which I couldn't help but oh. laugh every time because it made, it made me think of a David Essex single. Yeah, sort of Silver Dream Machine. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. And it's, it's weird. It's, it's, again, it's the most 90s thing. It's about Very the 90s, 90s. As the rave that's in uh, the, the Matrix. Matrix. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like a global hypercolour face mask. <laughs> yeah. And you put it on. With and UV it, lights. And it turns you. It's a, it's a sort of feature for the corner of a student bedroom. Yeah. Like a lava lamp. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they sit underneath it and it, turn, it makes their face into something else. Something you could buy at the range. <laughs> That's a very, very... Stu- that's a stupid gadget. It's really stupid. Oh, and basically, by the, by the end, after they've got the ice palace, they go stupid gadget crazy, and they've got the, the room with too many lasers in it. That's It's meant to do something like, I don't know, was it sort of etch, etch his name into the diamonds or something? Maybe, I don't but know. But there are four million lasers that all go different directions. It's, it's, and they're not very well rendered either. They look really oh, bad. It's just... it's an that's Again, that's a nice idea. You have a fight in a laser thing. That's that's very Bond. It's very Goldfinger. But, uh, and it's an awkward thing where it keeps moving Halle Berry around in a way you go, why would it do that? It's, it's a she bit like... to say, yo mama. Oh dear. Which is, makes me want to cringe to death. Actually now, um, the more I talk about it, the more this does feel like a film of two halves. The yeah. bit with the Koreans, that film up to about an hour in, pretty good bond. Yeah. The second bit with the lasers and the, it's not as good. No. Mr. Kill. It's two episodes, <laughs> two episodes with a disappointing part two. But it does make me laugh that the Jinx thing was ever talked about. Yeah, she, she's no a spin-off. I'd rather have something about, about Gustav Groh's mate. Yeah. The one who looks a bit like Potter Smith. The one who gets hot. blown out of the window at the end. Yeah. Maybe he had a parachute. Really quickly. <laughs> I yeah. don't know where he went. He oh, invents stuff. He's probably got a parachute. He's probably got a, a, some clothes that turn into a parachute. Yeah. He's probably got one of those those global hypercolour masks. He could probably be the new, the new baddie in the new Daniel Craig film. Yeah, he could land. Yeah. He could have been falling for a long time. Yeah. Just land in the middle of it. I did think that would be brilliant. You know, they brought back the Aston Martin because it was so loved in Skyfall. Yeah. I want Daniel Craig to get the invisible car in the next one yeah. for them to forget that everyone hates it and go, here's your new car. Ah, oh, I've been waiting to see this old friend and then do loads of invisible car stuff. Well, my son kept asking, um, when he gets in the car, can you see him? And I thought that would be amazing. <laughs> it's just like Wonder Woman is in her yeah. ship. I know, just I see James Bond sitting down, <laughs> going around. 
Well, obviously, the other thing you can't see in the invisible car is it's got a caravan on the back. <laughs> it's all invisible. Yeah. yeah, they should do that. And he could he could basically take his family on holiday. Q, Q would be in the caravan. Yeah. But the old Q, not John Q. <laughs> yeah, well, well, lying in state. That's yeah. really, that's really grim. <laughs> like, like Lenin. <laughs> Yeah. Take it around to visit the site that he smashed his stuff up in the past. Oh, um, but I'm, I was wondering because at this point, around the sort of towards the climax, uh, Gustav Graves suddenly, once we know he's Moon, yeah. so the audience knows he's Moon, right? Yeah, it's not a big reveal. But Colonel Moon doesn't know he's Moon. Suddenly, yeah. he starts wearing this North Korean army outfit, and his dad's there, but his dad doesn't know he's his son. It's, so at one point, is he thinking, "Why are you wearing a North Korean?" He's taking the piss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got a. Bust of my son's head. You're wearing yeah. his uniform. What the fuck? They do a lot of stuff where they, they do close-ups of the bust head to remind you this is the same guy. And I think, again, it's it's a slightly disappointing thing where you can't do the Charles Grey pull the mask yeah. off. And it's one of those things where they, it's a really bondy thing for someone to have a face-changing machine. That's that's not too preposterous. Don't for mind bond. that at I follow all. that. Yeah. But the weird thing is it doesn't have... It should glitch, video glitch, and it could be the guy... It should be like revealing Voldemort is in disguise. Yes. And you can't reveal the guys in disguise. And they're really struggling with it as a reveal for the end of the movie. And it, it can't help but feel, oh, I like that guy. He was yeah. a good baddie. And also, you, you set up at the beginning with the initial Colonel Moon, you know, the son. He does martial arts. He kicks his anger management teacher he in does. a bag. He does. Lots. That's a good scene. I like that. He's, yeah. he's, he's using the, the teacher as a, as a punch bag. That's a so nice that, could have, that made me think that they're setting that up for later, that he'll he's going to have a kung fu fight with Bond. Q would have got some kind of gadget that puts Bond in a bag <laughs> and he'll just kick the shit out of it. And they go, oh, it's that guy. Because yeah. he kicks bags. Yeah. He's a bag hater. Or Q would give him Bond some sort of injection that makes him really good at kung fu, like in The Matrix. Yeah. And they have a kung fu fight. They should do more stuff like that. They should, should. They should have injections that give you special skills. Dear Eon. Yeah, I have an idea. I got, oh God, I got drunk in a pub once with someone who worked on the Bond films and I kept giving them ideas. What you should do, what you should do is, and mine was uh, skateboarding and uh, that you should play dominoes in Jamaica and put down two blanks and a seven and win. Oh, that's good. I, I, and also I suggested they call the follow-up to uh, Casino Royale James Bond 2 <laughs> and pretend there hadn't been any others. <laughs> when people objected, you go, what? What films? Or when they bring in a new James Bond, because, you know, in the 80s, yeah. they used to, when they do a 2, they do T-O-O. Yes. So James Bond 2. Or they should do it like like uh, Twin Dragons with Jackie Chan. There should be two Bonds in one film. And they could yeah. double the Bonds, double the action. And it should have been Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig as two Bonds. My two Bonds. My two Bonds with I'd Greg Evigan. I'd watch that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They're missing all these lots of split screen work, even yeah. though there's two different people. But something I discovered recently: Bond has never gone to Australia. See, that's good. But you've got deadly spiders and animals. It'd be good, wouldn't it? And you've got ex-colonial Brit- British things. They could do surfing again. They could yeah. get the surfing sequence right this time. They could do the CGI circuit Actually surfing real. really, really well. Yeah. Make it look like an actual human being yeah. rather than a really bad cut scene. I sat through the documentary when I bought the DVD years ago and I think they did the surfing scene first. They basically got a phone call from someone saying the waves are really good in Australia or Hawaii, I think it was. Mm. We can do this surfing stunt. Oh, no, that, that surfing stunt's fine. I'm talking about yeah. the CGI one. Oh, the CGI one. On the bits Sorry. of dragster. Yeah. I want to see that done properly with real surfers. But when Graves does have his uh, robot suit, what bothered me is that he's got these buttons on his wrist. He's got these big fat gloves and tiny little buttons. It's, it's bad. It, ergonomically a nightmare. It is. I'd, I'd send it back for another. That's why. That's why his mate, his his, uh, his James May mate, has to go out the window because right. he's designed it so bad. He also says to him, he said, he's got he's got the the funniest prop ever. As they keep carrying around this kidney bean shaped suitcase <laughs> that's, that's got right. all the controls for his space space ray satellite. Yeah. And he says to him, he goes. That's a really bad bit of design. Get me a better piece of design. And it's, it's his space suit. It says one word, ergonomics. Yeah, and then he designs something which is just a terrible, terrible thing. With a little visor. Which every bit of it looks terrible. And you bet mm. on the day they turned up and you went, what, this? You're going to make me dress as the, for the climax? As Robocop. Yeah, it's just a really bad sort of Ed 209 thing. But this is around the time that you also get uh, Halle Berry and... Um, Rosamund Pike. Thank you. Their fight, where it ends with, read this, bitch. That's quite good. Did you like that? Only because it's exactly in the place where that line should be. With the art of war. Yeah, she stabs her with the, with a, a knife with the art of war in it, which is, I don't even know what that's meant to make me think. <laughs> Does it mean he agrees, disagrees with that? I don't know. Are you a pacifist if you stab someone to death? I don't know. Yeah, it's sort of saying this is wrong or right or yeah. It sounds a bit like she doesn't really like reading either. It's no. sort of going, just you're going to read, are you? You're going to read, yeah. to read me to death? Fuck you with your book, with your brain. Yeah, <laughs> I do kicking, the... kicking and knives. She should have like done that and then put on a video to show what's a VHS. Yeah. Of Goldeneye. Yeah. Who put, oh, we'll played the video game. That might have made Pierce a bit sad though. <laughs> Remind him. Yeah. Of the films he was in. 
remember that that one was good I've got a VHS of Remington Steel here fuck you yeah. it'd be good if they did end with a GoldenEye death match <laughs> odd job suddenly comes in because you know did you used to play GoldenEye on the uh, no I, I played a version of it on the Playstation once okay well, yeah, I, I remember filling a whole castle with odd jobs and that's the most fun is to, is to fight off a swarm of odd jobs and you're swatting them and you go I can see where they're getting in it's like having ants that would be horrendous if you had odd jobs <laughs> what do you do do you pour kettle on them yeah <laughs> Put down traps, humane traps for them. Yeah. With, uh, golf ball. on the kitchen floor, licking up the salt. Little, sugar. Little, little golf ball on a trap, and he's tempted to come up and crush it, and it just falls on him. And it, it, weirdly, it drops a hat on him. It's really just that's an Alexi sales sketch. That is <laughs> an infestation of odd jobs. Yeah, yeah. This this ends obviously after everything blows up. Oh, we see Michael Madsen briefly, who's terrible in this. Yeah, he's used very very briefly. Yeah, but I think for good reason. He um, he turns up. He's one of my favourite unexpected people. He's in War Games. Everyone forgets that. Yeah, he's the guy at the beginning with the what, gun. Terrific scene at the beginning of War mm. Games. Yeah, anyway, he's he's a bit like that. He's an American in yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, but they had an American. They had Joe Don Baker. Why didn't they've, they bring him back? They've replaced him with, with Michael Madsen. Not a good idea. Yeah. And he was called Falco, which bothered me. Yes, which is named after... The dragon from... No, sorry. No, he's named after Tony Curtis's character in The Sweet Smell of Success. Oh. Which, annoyingly, is uh, it's one of my favourite films and one of Purvis and Wade's favourite films. But uh, if you, you're you comparing yourself then to... Uh, a good film. Yeah, to Ernest Lehman and whoever it was who, who wrote Sweet Smell of Success, who were really, really good at dialogue. Um, but we end with uh, Money Penny's VR cyber sex party. Yeah, which is sort of fun and wrong. Wrong. Because I can't work out why they would have programmed into the virtual reality thing... I suppose it's, it's training Bond. Obviously, it's got a sex mode as well as a fighting mode. <laughs> that does it. make sense, actually. Yeah, that's mate, fine. That's what's worse because it makes you realise that not only has he trained how to deal with assassins, he's practised fucking, mm. which is just... That's awful. But can he fuck anybody? Can he, like, fuck a robot Q? Q? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What happens is that when Bond comes back off a mission, he's really horny, and to calm him down, they let him screw anything. He can screw the furniture, he can screw the car. All the old gadgets. Yeah. So. <laughs> he's just go in there and just, just have a go on the jetpack into yeah. the spurts just going up and down <laughs> making animal noises yeah it's the only way of calming him down and getting him to go back to his flat and go to bed I do, I do want one day if, if, if Eon right if, no I wrote to Eon earlier yeah. if they came back to me and said right you, you've got carte blanche to make your own bomb film yeah. I would insert a scene where he's having sex but in a real real style sex you know, like, so you see a genuine sex scene. What, like in uh, Don't Look Now? Like a really yeah. sort of brutally lit... Brutally lit. Yeah. Making sort of really horrible grunting noises. <laughs> and going asleep. on for ages. Yeah, yeah not then, getting anywhere. And going to sleep. be terrible. Yeah. That, that wouldn't be nice. No, it wouldn't. So perhaps I won't do that. I'll just cross that off. Yeah, cross that off your list of things you have to do off your, off your unbucket list. Don't worry, Eon. That's I, the name of the film, actually. I will not, I will not be doing <clears> this. I think we've covered everything in Die Another Day. Yeah, yeah. Oddly, I think the, 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 the essence of it is... If you don't like Die Another Day, what's wrong is actually you don't really like Bond. Yeah. What's good about it and what's bad about it? It's, it's a contract you do. If you watch a Bond film, you're going to have some of this shit. Yeah. Uh, and there are plenty of Bond films that are exactly as bad as this. Um, it's just another Bond film. And also, having seen it, as I said earlier, after seeing all the Craig stuff, wa- you know, wading through all that misery porridge, yeah. coming out and seeing this stuff... It's quite nice. A melting ice palace and an invisible car mm-hmm. and, and a man who changes his face and dresses up as a, as a robot. And That's, Bond is having a fucking great time. Yeah. Even if you as an audience aren't enjoying this film, Pierce Brosnan is so happy. I and should, do you want Pierce Brosnan to be sad? No. <laughs> I should say, actually, um, I, I don't know if you used to listen to the Adam and Joe show at all. Yes. They um, used to have a thing called Crap Commentary Corner where Joe would bring in excerpts from a DVD commentary. And the Die Another Day commentary, I don't know if it's on the Blu-ray because I haven't checked, but it was a work of art because Pierce Brosnan just giggles all the way through it. He, he loves it. Love- His bit of trivia is when he turns up at the beginning on the surfboards, you know, and yeah. he goes and that helicopter lands and the man gets off and he takes his sunglasses. He's like, in the commentary, he's like, and those were my sunglasses. They took them back. And he starts laughing. That's nice. Yeah, the lovely time on lovely this. Little, lovely little wink to the camera there. Yeah. Brosnan's a good thing. He is. He, he should be in films and stuff. He's, he's funny. Have you seen The World's End? No. He's in it playing a teacher and he is amazingly funny. He's only in it for a minute. He's That's good. Brilliant. I like the fact that he's in Mamma Mia and didn't know he'd have to sing. Oh, That's God. just a lovely thing. Yeah, it's, he sounds like a still, foghorn. Though, still going through with it, not stopping. Right, ready, Pierce? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. This Pierce is reversing. It's an awful, <laughs> awful racket. I love that. He's, he's game. He's a trooper, isn't he? He is. He's a super trooper, yeah. <laughs> as it were. So here we go, the questions. Yes, go on. So Joel Morris, um, who is the best Bond? And what, in your opinion, is the best Bond film? It's probably Sean. 
just because he's inventing it. Mm-hmm. It's also quite nice because if you watch a Sean Connery Bond film, it's not usually that embarrassing. If someone walks in and finds you watching it, it's not that embarrassing. You go, it's, it's retro, it's 60s. It's a bit cool and swaggery. So yeah, probably Sean. Um, technically, it's probably uh, From Russia with Love, isn't it? It's a really good one. I like Diamonds Are Forever a lot, even though it's a bad film, because I think it's a good bank holiday Bond. It's one you can watch on the TV. Yeah. It loses nothing on the small screen, mm. which is where I first saw Bond. So it feels like one I had on video as a kid. So even though I know it's technically a bad film, I find it very reassuring. And Bond's about comfort. It's like chocolate bars from your childhood. It's not necessarily good for you, yeah. but it reminds you of being happy. Fair enough. And what is the worst Bond, and what is the worst Bond film? I don't think you can really... Lazenby isn't very good. That's a good film. And he's not as bad as everyone says, but he's still Mm. comparatively, I think, the worst person at being Bond because he doesn't want to be Bond. He's not that bothered by it, Mm. which is the opposite of what you see in Pierce where he loves it. And I think Quantum of Sausage is the only Bond film I was bored watching at the cinema because even even a bad one, there's spectacle and fun. Yeah. And you can tell that the writers were on strike and it was written in a caravan, and it's it, it's edited. You, there are there are chases and fights in Quantum of Solace. I don't know who won. Yeah. I don't know if Bond finished any of the races. Mm. Don't know, usually, I like I like to see a punch land. Yeah. And I watched the making of it, and there were some really good stunts in it. I couldn't see any of them, and I felt really cheated. So I think just in terms of getting it wrong, though it has got some terrific. Uh, the opera sequence is great in that. Still yeah. worth watching bits of it. Also, we should say about Pierce is that, though, of course, the reason he loves being Bond is that he had to wait so long for it, eight years to do it. Yeah, he feels like a boy who's got a prize. Yeah. He, he feels he earned it. And, and the thing you don't want to watch in Bond, which I'm slightly worried about with Craig, even though I really like his performance, is that if he doesn't want to be Bond, the whole point is we're all meant to want to be Bond. The whole yeah. point about Bond is it's, it's stupid, childish wish fulfilment to be that swaggery guy. Hmm. And if the guy who's playing him doesn't want to be him, you can tell in the eyes Yeah, if they think they're above it. Right, so here we go. Bond yeah. is full of stupid names. Money Penny, Small Bone, Good Head. Give me your best Bond lady name now. <laughs> I'm going to go for one from You Only Live Twice, like a really, really offensive Far Eastern stereotype, and she's going to be called Yo-Yo Knickers. <laughs> That's very good. And give me your best Bond film title that you've just made up. James Bond and the Spooky Old Tree, <laughs> in which she goes into a spooky old tree. There's, a, there, there's, a, there's bats in it. Is this... <laughs> Is this James Bond 2? James Bond 2, James Bond and the Spooky Old Tree. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really good adventure. There's quite a long bit on a ladder. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You thought about this? He has to climb down a long ladder. <laughs> but the, can I just stress that this tree is spooky? <laughs> it sounds horrible. <laughs> Otherwise you won't watch it. <laughs> it sounds awful. I mean, the tree sounds spooky as hell. Yeah, it is. Oh, you can tell that's why that's why it's in the title. That's why they mention it in the title. Why does he have to go to the spooky tree? There's diamonds at the bottom <laughs> of the ladder. At the bottom of the ladder. I mean, it's basic, but I think we we can we can sort it out in the edit. Tell you what, they'd have killed you for that for Quantum of Solace. Yeah, they fix it in the edit. That's probably the first idea that, that Craig suggested in the trailer. <laughs> We've got no story. We could do an exploding exploding building made of petrol and crisps, or we could do a spooky old tree tree every time yeah okay good <laughs> that is certainly the best answer i've had yet um, <laughs> a hypothetical fist fight takes place between simon temper the saint and james bond 007 who wins uh i think that uh, <laughs> <There's a ladder. laughs> well as long as there's a ladder to escape they did. i reckon what happens is that uh james bond takes the ladder and hits simon templar with the ladder it's like it's very jackie chan ladder combat a fist fight no it would be uh, Bond would hit him harder because the the sound effects are louder on Bond it's all all about the Foley there'd be a real sort of pile driver punch and what would happen is that Simon Templar would burst like a balloon (laughs) revealing that's that's the reveal at the end of the scene we reveal he was just a balloon (laughs) it's a twist that is M. Night Shalaman yeah exactly he was a balloon did you not guess should have known. He's very there, expressionless. There were, clue, there were clues. In Act One, there was a clue. A <laughs> boy had a balloon. A kid's hair stood on end when he walked past. <laughs> That's the good one. <laughs> well, no one goes back to watch the first episode, do they? Yeah, so they're yeah, not going to find know. out. <laughs> so finally, <laughs> you're stranded on an island with Sean Connery, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig. Who do you elect as leader to devise your rescue attempt? And if it fails, who do you eat first? <laughs> I think you you eat Sean 
in Diamonds of Forever when he's pelt on the pounds because I think there's a lot of meat on him. It means not having to kill two people, just kill one. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, it's a bit hairy, but you just take the pelt off and maybe make uh, make warm blankets and you elect as leader. I would trust... You know, I'd trust Roger Moore. You'd do what he said, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. the, the, the other one's a bit grumpy and angry. I like Dalton a lot, hmm. but they'd be a bit grumpy and angry. I think Roger Moore would be very reasonable. He'd be good at, at solving disagreements. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd go with that. That's that sorted. Yeah. We're off the desert island. It's fine. Yeah. Full of Sean. Oh. <laughs> Big tummy full of Connor. Wearing his pelt. He tastes like a panther. Well, funnily enough, he's got a panther tattoo, isn't he? Has he? Yeah. Joel Morris, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, thank you for asking me. For joining us to die another day. It's been sort of a pleasure. <laughs> Let's hope we've come together again for episode 25, James Bond and the Spooky Tree. Yes. Goodbye. Bye-bye. A nice palace can be such a treacherous place. I take it Mr. Bond's been explaining his Big Bang Theory. Yeah, I think I got the thrust of it. Must you touch everything? Would you like to show me more? Kill him. Now! 1,000 meters in closing. Put you back in third, eh? Let's get down to business. Looks like we're going down again. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Not yet! Smash Pod. Great Big Owl.